Next Sunday is Father's Day, so I can't wait to honor all the fathers. And Pastor Jeff is going to be sharing the word with us. So don't miss that. Bring your dad. Uh, and we'll make sure it's really good and a great time. And we'll have something for everybody who comes. But Proverbs chapter 11, Lord, we thank you for your word. Pray that you'd speak to us through it. Thank you that as you speak, um, you speak to every heart, you speak to every individual, that there are things we hear together, but there are things that you want to speak to us um, right where we live and right where our own life is at. So, Father, I pray that you would make this specific. Make this specific to every person. Um, I pray that these words aren't lost on any person, that no one leaves here today feeling like they didn't hear from you. I pray that every heart would hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about, uh, you know, our values. So we've actually been a couple months into this. And the last couple weeks, I've been talking about that we give as a church, we give generously, that we're generous givers. And I really say that almost like a prophecy, like I'm just calling it out. Like this is who we are. This is who we will be. We will give generously. And I started out of this verse in Proverbs 11:25, which just says the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich. And this has been something that's been, it's not a life first, but it's been one of those go-to scriptures in my own life, um, especially if I start to feel a little selfish. Now, I don't know if anyone else, anybody else here an only child? Am I the only one? Oh, Lord. Okay, well, this explains a lot. Hey, there we go. Very good. Scott's the only child, too. He was hesitant, but I'm an only child, and so it's very easy to get, you know, a little self-centered. Uh, any, of, any of you the firstborn of your family? Okay, so firstborns, you were only child for a little while, and then you realized, oh, man, I got to take care of everybody else. So that helps you. But I know for me, getting married really helped break that self-centeredness, um, which probably is true for all of us. And then when just when you think that you're like, oh, man, I've made so much progress on being selfless, then you have children. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm still selfish. I still have work to do, right? And it just, I don't know, I think God created all of these institutions in these ways and these things to make us more like him because they require you to get over yourself a lot, right? Especially if you want to be healthy. And so I know that this scripture, the generous soul will be made rich, is so much more than just money, uh, though that's included. It's a generous soul. It's like when your soul is overflowing um, and has so much to give and wants to give, your life truly will be rich, not just wealthy financially, but rich. Like it'll have meaning, it'll have purpose, it'll be fulfill, fulfilling. And um, I'm, my prayer throughout these last couple of weeks really has been in your own life that you'd be a generous person, a generous person. And so I want to walk through several things today that are, they're almost like a shotgun approach where I'm going to hit multiple principles at the same time. In fact, if you want to put a title, I would just call this Proven Principles of Giving. Proven principles of giving, and it's all along this line of generosity. And when you look at this word generous, it's interesting because it's actually the same word for where God said that he would bless Abraham. And that word bless just means like baraka. That's the Hebrew word for it. And the, the, this is the way it's described. 
um, to endue with power for success, prosperity, fecundity, <laughs> there's your word of the day, and longevity, to endue with power for success, prosperity. So when God blessed Abraham, and then Abraham blessed Isaac, and Isaac, Jacob, and then it went on from there, there was actual uh, an, an, an endowment that happened when he would lay his hands on his sons, and God gave them the power in that moment to be generous, to have more than enough. So when this word says the generous soul, it means that that person who has been blessed by God, who has been barakahed by God, who's been endued with power, will be made rich. So that blessed soul will end up blessing others, and therefore their life will be rich. So I, I feel like the first thing that you have to recognize about yourself as a believer in the Lord Jesus, if you are, you have been now, you've been blessed by God. And because of that, you have something to give. So Jesus preached this multiple times, right? He said, freely you've received, now freely give, freely. So you have to see that about yourself. Because if you don't, you'll just think, well, I don't really have much to give. I mean, no one, really no one really wants what I have. But when you say, no, no, I've actually received something from God, and that thing that I have received, I now give it out. So the generous, that blessed soul, will be made rich. So you have to, you have to see yourself as like, I'm a funnel. So we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm a steward. Everything I have is his. That's why to date, so this is third week into talking about generosity, I haven't even talked about tithing. Because I feel like tithing limits so much. I'll get to that. Let me finish that statement in a minute. But I feel like it limits to 10% when God actually has 100%. And so that way when I do get to talking about tithing, which is biblical, it is here, then we have an understanding and, and really the foundation to understand that 10% is only a small portion of everything that's already his. The 10% is just a certain specific direction that he said, I want you to put it. But we're stewards. And I taught out of that, out of multiple teachings that Jesus has had about stewardship. And then it was last week that I talked about two specific women who really modeled for us what it means to give everything they had. So first, the woman with two mites. Remember? And I said, in today's terms, that would be $1.47. You could not even buy a gallon of gas with what that woman gave. And yet Jesus said she gave everything she had, and that was more than any of the rich people who put in out of their abundance. So Jesus said, that matters. And he watched. He watched. He's like, this woman put everything, a widow put everything, $1.47. That's all she had. Very poor. And then we see a second woman who gave this flask of oil and broke it and anointed Jesus for burial, though she didn't even know that's what she was doing. And that oil, in today's standards, would be about $25,000 worth of oil. And she put it there. Now, others said she wasted it, and Jesus said she didn't waste it. She prepared me for burial, and he said, this will be written as a memorial for everybody who reads the gospel after this because of what that woman gave. So giving is a big deal. Your heart of giving is a big deal. And that's some of what we're going to get in today. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8 says this, But a generous man devises generous things, 
and by generosity he shall stand. A generous man devises, in other words, he plans it. He plans generous things. He plans his generosity. And then it says, and by generosity he stands. I, I just, I love this scripture because for you and I, uh, generosity can't just be random, though that's good. But you actually, when you have a generous soul, you plan it. Like you think about it, you meditate on it, you kind of have your eyes open. Who can, I, who can I be generous towards? Who can I bless? And again, I just want to like push out of our mind just the thought of financial things, but sometimes your time is the most valuable thing you have. You ever have that friend who just seems to call you at like just the time when you feel like, I don't have time to take this call? That ever happened to you? You're like, I, and I know this friend, and I know this is not a 60-second conversation. This is 45 minutes minimum, right? But in that moment, you know, but I need to take it. And what is that really testing you? It's testing your generosity. It's testing your generosity. It's testing, will I give something that I feel like I don't have right now, which is time. Another place of generosity where this person or where this scripture is saying that a generous man devises generous things is in your, in your own gifts and talents. Like what has God put in your hand that you could use to help other people? It could be towards your family. It could be towards your, your workplace. It could be for the ministry, for church. And so you don't just sit back. Like a generous person doesn't just sit back and just see what happens. A generous person actually plans it out and sees how can I be helpful. I'm going to tell on somebody, though I didn't, I didn't warn them or ask permission, so I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a leap. But Jeff Paulus is a generous person, and here's how I know. He's been so helpful with us looking for a new facility to meet in, and I didn't even ask him early on. He just was like, took it upon himself, took the time. What was he doing? A generous person devises generous things. They see, how can I be generous? How can I be helpful? How can I give out of what I have? And that has meant so much to me because I know there are some people who will do it out of obligation. If you ask them, like, okay, fine, like, uh, you know, like grudgingly a little bit, right? But there are other people who it just, this is who they are. It just flows out, flows out, flows out. That was Jeff. And I remember um, when we first came here, I think before we even moved here, Jeff and Angela called us. And we're the first people to invite us over to their home. And it's like, please come. We want to have you in our home. And I think we had lunch. We hung out the afternoon. Why? Generosity. And I've seen so many other acts of generosity from each of you. A generous man devises generous things, and by generosity, he stands. In other words, his generosity gives him a footing, gives him a place to stand from. And I don't know about you. Like, that's my prayer for my own life. And that my prayer is that my generosity would increase. You know, it would increase. It would, and God would work in me to where, honestly, everything I have is available. Every dollar, every penny, every moment of my day, whatever it takes, Lord, like, I'm going to give it to you. And this, this is the scary part, though. When that's your prayer, God will test you in it. <laughs> So be careful. Like if you if you're like, yes, Lord, I want that. Okay, cool. Today you're going to be tested in your generosity. You might bring to the picnic your favorite dessert. And you're hoping, like, I hope I have leftovers. And then Dave comes by and eats the last bit of your dessert. 
or Sam. <laughs> and eats the last bit of the dessert, and then your generosity is tested of whether that was okay with you. Jesus, I feel like, is the model when it comes to this generosity. And I don't say that out of, a, of a, something obligatory of like, oh, Jesus is our model for everything. But I want you to read uh, with me out of Mark chapter 10, verse 45. His disciples uh, are talking here about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And, you know, they're really, they're thinking in natural terms. And honestly, we think in these terms too, like, Who's going to have the position? Like, who's going to be hierarchically like the best disciple? Who's going to who's going to sit on your right hand? Who's going to sit on your left hand? Like, they're they're wanting the, those spots. And here's Jesus said something so interesting about himself. He says in Mark ten forty five, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus is like. You know, this is the, 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 the man who poured out himself, as the Bible is called, like a drink offering. Like everything that was in him, he gave out. And he says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And I think it's so interesting that he says, I came to serve and to give. And so just this thought came to mind, and I think you could play it out throughout Scripture, but... Serving really is the gateway to giving. Like serving, serving other per people is the gateway to giving. Um, I'm going to be careful of the details that I give so that I don't out anybody. But we have a certain relative who their love language, I think, is financial gifts. But yet, relationally, there's not much there. And even in serving our family, there's not much there. And I can tell you, as someone who receives the financial gift, there's something that lacks there when there's not the foundation of like, hey, you're serving our family. You're going out of your way to be a part of our family's life. You are, you're, you're being selfless even in that. The money itself is not good enough. And I think that's true in all of our relationships. If I were to come and I was like, hey, church, um, I'm not going to show up and actually teach you or pastor you. I'm just going to send money to each of you. Well, that's not, I mean, some of you might like that. You might be like, hey, I'm down. Let's do this right now. But that would last a very short amount of time in for what your soul really needs. Well, that's true for each of us. When, when we came down to it, probably if we, you and I never exchanged anything of finances the relationships we would have would matter so much more than money, right? So it's like the, the, the service is really what sets, I feel like, sets the table so that when you start to give anything, whether it's your time, your resources, now the foundation is laid there of that is who I am. I came to serve you and to give. I came to serve and to give. So I would challenge us even as a church, um, don't just give financially to church. Serve. Serve in your family. Don't just give gifts at Christmas time, but yet you sit back in your recliner and hang out while everybody else is serving the family. No, no, no. Serve your family. Serve them. Be a part. Why? Because that engages your heart at a whole other level. 
at a whole other level. Now, some of you, the serving part's the easy part. The giving is a whole other level that you haven't stepped into. Well, that's okay. Now's, now's a great chance, a great opportunity to step into the place of now where you don't just serve, you give. You give. You give of what you have. You give of what you have. Jesus was the most amazing, challenging example of that. Like when I read of how Jesus gave his life, it challenges the, the heck out of me. <laughs> Why? Because I feel like every excuse gets blasted out of my life. <laughs> you ever felt like that? It's just like every excuse of why I am justified in my selfishness just gets blown out of the water, right? But I need that. And a humble heart will receive correction and adjust. So when I read this and I see, you know what, uh, when I, and I'll speak as a, the senior pastor, when I come here, if my heart gets tweaked to where I think I'm coming here for y'all to serve me, then I got to go. I can't be, I can't, I can't, because the place of leadership is service. To be a minister actually literally means to be a servant. Those, those two words are interchangeable. So when you ever see someone who calls himself a minister, but they're not serving, they are not ministering. Ministers serve. They serve. They serve. They're not, it was never meant to be something where they are like pushed up on this pedestal where everybody serves them. No, you serve the Lord. That's it. Don't serve me. Serve Jesus. Partner with me, but serve Jesus, okay? Does that make sense? Serve the Lord. He's Lord. No other person is Lord. So I've come to serve. You've come to serve and to give, to give our lives for one another. Now, I want to give a couple scriptures of a key theme that's in scripture regarding giving, particularly giving to the poor. Okay, I told you this is going to be a little bit of shotgun, so I'm going to skip a bit. Um, because I want to give these proven principles of giving. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 27, it says, He who gives to the poor will not lack. And I'm going to give some examples of this for a second. But he who hides his eyes will have many curses. He who gives to the poor will not lack. That does, to me, when I read that, I don't hear ambiguity. I don't hear um, caveats. Well, it depends which poor person you give to. Will not lack. And then it says, he who hides his eyes will have many curses. So I, I'm a literalist when I read scripture. Many times I'm very literal, but I also, I keep my ear to like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? So when I read this, I feel so convicted because have you ever come up to a stoplight and there's someone there asking for something, money? Have you ever turned your eyes? Now, you don't have to shake your head or not, but I mean, I, I have. Because I'm like busy, it's uncomfortable. If I look at your eyes, then I feel conscious. Like there's all of these emotions that come. And the Bible I'm reading, and he says, if you turn your eyes, you'll have many curses. And that just goes... Because literally, I've done it. Literally, I've done it. Or um, 
you know, you might be walking along and somebody's like um, on the side of the sidewalk and maybe they're not even asking for anything, but just their presence, they're there. And you can tell this is not a person of any means. And I, you know, I don't have anything on me. For me, I don't hardly ever carry cash. But I could talk to him. I could kneel down and say, hey, can I, you want to follow me into the store and I'll grab you something to eat, you know, and use, use, just use my card or whatever. And here's where I have to confront my own heart because in my own heart, and I, I guarantee you we've all gone through it, so I'm just going to be honest about where I've been. I start to judge how do they get in those circumstances and if I feel like it wasn't right or not, that, that motivates me of how I want to respond to their need. Well, where does that put me? That puts me in the place of God and judging that person. And I'm not supposed to sit in that seat. God alone is judge. So I, I feel like I just want to kind of bring these things out because in our day and age, there are so many causes of why people are in poverty that many of us sit and judge. And it's like, no, 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 that's God's place to judge. Our place is just to do what the Lord said and give to the poor and you won't lack. Give them a dollar. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like something and you won't lack. But if you turn your eye, you'll be cursed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Jesus, I don't want to be cursed. And it says you'll have many curses. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? I don't want to find out, <laughs> really. This is, I think, a, a real test of our generosity because it forces us to not judge people. It forces you and me to not judge people. Like if I walk down to downtown Hagerstown, there's a lot of poor people who are also in hard addictions. And so I have this, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm just sharing y'all with my own experience, my own process of having to think through these things. So I would get concerned about, well, I don't want to give them something that will enable them to go on with that addiction. And that is true. So what do we have to do? We have to be wise and ask the Lord for wisdom. But turning my eye is not an option. You see the difference? So it's like, I may not actually give you physical cash right now because I'm concerned that you're going to go hurt yourself with that. But that doesn't mean the only other option is to turn my eye away from you. So somehow we have to say, Holy Spirit, lead me to do the right thing for this person in this moment, and I won't turn my eye. I won't turn my eye. Even if it's somebody whose their head is down, they're hanging low, Maybe my greeting to them is what I have to give because I don't have anything else, and I know if I give them something, it'll hurt them. But maybe my greeting, maybe my seeing them is part of that in the moment. So start there. Because the Bible says if, you, if that is who you are, you won't lack, and thankfully you won't be cursed. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Proverbs 22, 9 says, He who has a generous eye, look at that. So we see two places where the eyes are connected, who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his, of his bread to the poor. For he gives of his bread, his own, his own sustenance, he gives it to the poor. So a generous eye. So there's something really connected, I believe, to what we see, to our generosity. And if you'll allow God to show you people with his eyes, 
and give you the heart of how to respond, you will be God's agent on the earth, his steward on the earth. You'll help take care of people on his behalf. That's part of our role. That's part of our job. And so let your eyes see people. And when you, when you see them, see with a generous spirit. And if you have to, just on the spot, correct yourself if you start to get judgy. Just, I mean, we all struggle with this. So if that's something that you've dealt with, well, then say, Lord, I'm sorry. I should not judge that person. There's no condemnation. You don't need to, like, condemn yourself that you had that thought. Just say, Lord, that's not your thought about this person. I want your thoughts about this person. You love this person. You love them. You love them. So how can I be generous in this situation? You know, some people, I know there have been times where I'm driving, and it's really not the right thing to do just to, like, slam on the brakes and say, hey, you're poor. I'm, I'm looking at you. You know, that, that would be awkward. But sometimes I'll see somebody, and I'm driving, and I see them, and I pray for them. I, I, as I'm driving, and, and I don't mean to just, like, give us all a scapegoat of just, like, well, as long as I pray, that's enough. Well, no, the Bible did say give your bread, so there's practical. But sometimes that's not practical in the moment of where I'm at, but I can pray, and I say, Lord, bless that person. Bring them out of whatever hardship they're in. Help them. If there's an opportunity for me to meet them again, bring about that opportunity. So the poor is a big deal, okay? The poor is a big deal. Jesus, it's interesting. Jesus said, the poor you'll have with me always. And he said it in regards to that woman who gave that really expensive oil. But what he didn't say is don't help them. Don't, don't help them. He was addressing a greedy spirit that was in, in really a, a, a theft, a thief that was in there. The disciples, Judas was a thief. He would steal out of the, the box of their, what was given to the ministry there. He would steal out of it. And so his concern wasn't for the poor. His was concern was that he wanted a piece of that pie. So he had a, he had a deceiving spirit on him. So the poor is important when it comes to generosity. And I, I really believe one of the reasons why the Lord addresses this in us is because sometimes we don't want to give to people, again, because we judge. And we judge. And so may the Lord help us be generous to the poor. In fact, Lord, we'll just stop right here in the middle of this message and say, Lord, we, we need your heart for your people and for people. We need your heart for those who are poor, who th those who are in poverty, regardless of how they got there. And Lord, I pray that you'd help our eyes to see them with generous eyes and a gen generous spirit. Help us to not judge. Help us to not turn the other way. Help us to see them and give us, Holy Spirit, the wisdom of what to do in that moment that would be most helpful for that person to meet their immediate physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Amen. All right, I want to tie our generosity and our measure of giving directly to our measure of receiving. And this is two different passages within the New Testament. First in Luke chapter 6, 
Luke chapter 6. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay? Again, this is Jesus teaching. He's helping us. Another way to think, by the way, of teaching, when Jesus is teaching, he's helping you. Because if you'll get what he's teaching, it will help your life. It's not mental. This is not intellectual teaching. This is to help you be everything God called you to be. So listen, give and it will be given. So let me just stop right there. Did it say and it could be given? This is easy open book test. Did it say it could be given? Did it say that? Yes or no? No. It said it will be given. It will be given. It will be. So when you give an offering, this goes for tithes, this goes for offering, whatever. When you give, you don't have to look at it. We don't pass baskets, but if we did, you don't have to like look at it as if, oh my gosh, there goes my money. I'll never see it again. Goodbye, money. Wish that, you know, it, no. It will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. In other words, when it comes back, it'll be more than what you gave. It'll be more than what you gave. This is, this is probably a terrible example, but what do you do when your trash can gets full? You push it down. Why? So that you can fit more. So when you see this scripture, that's what it's talking about. When you give, it's this. And you might say, okay, well, this is full, blah, blah, blah. But God's like, no, no, I'm going to push that down. I'm going to even shake it. And then it'll run over. What comes back to you will be so much more than what you put in. Like, he will make room in whatever your capacity was and push it down, shake it a little bit. And then that way, when it comes, it's, it is, now you have more to give away the next time. So... Some people have this in mind. What you give, that exact same amount will be given back to you. That is not scriptural. No, no, more will be given back to you. For what intent? So that now you have more to give again. So that when you give that more, now more of the more will be given. So in other words, our capacity and our limits should be ever-growing. Scripturally, it should be ever-growing. So it's like, um, it's like if I were to give Sam $10. You're welcome. I don't have $10. <laughs> um, if I were to give Sam $10, and he goes and he gives his dad five of those dollars. Sorry, Sam, you're already giving it away. He gives his dad five of those dollars. Well, scripturally, Eventually, what Sam will get is not $5 back, more than $5. So now Sam doesn't have just $10. He has whatever extra amount the Lord would have gotten to him from other directions. So now Sam doesn't just have $10 to work with. He has, we'll say, $20 to work with. And then he goes and he says, okay, I'm going to give $10 of that 20 away. And then, well, more than 10 comes back to him. So now maybe he has $30. And see, it just continues to grow. Now, I'm not saying... 
at the end of this message, I'm not going to do it. If you give $100, God will give you $100 today. I'm, that's not what we're, it's not what I'm saying. But scripturally, I could give you a promise that is very close to that. That says, whatever you give, it will be given to you. And it'll be given to you in more, in more than what you gave. And probably any one of us who have given to God has seen it happen. You can testify. You could stand right up here, take the mic, and finish this message because you've seen it. But what I feel like the Holy Spirit is drawing our eyes to is increase, increase. Like increase your generosity and see it as something that will continue to increase. And what that'll do is it'll continue to address any greed or selfishness in your own heart. Because what you and I could do is get in mind, okay, I'm used to giving $20 every single week to so-and-so or to the church or to whatever. But as the Lord's increasing you, you may not increase the giving. You're, because your capacity is like $20. That's what I'm giving, $20, $20. What you're not understanding is, no, God's sending you more to give more, which means that more will be given. Why? Because he trusts you. This is a trust relationship. It would be like this. If I told Matt, I'm like, Matt, I have $100 for you. I'm giving money away left and right. Fake money. Okay. I said, I have $100 for you, but Matt, I want you to give $50 to Corinne, and she can spend it however she wants. Now, I might give her, I might, I might give Matt the 100 bucks, but if I find out a month later, Corinne ain't seen that $50. No, Matt went and bought a new golf club, right, or whatever, or whatever you may buy. And he, and he spent the $100. Well, for me, I'm going to see that and say, oh, no, I probably won't give Matt the money next time. I'll probably give Corinne the money. <laughs> Why? Because I was trusting Matt to steward it the way I asked him to steward it. I gave it with an intent that when I give this to you, part of this is going to go to someone else besides you. So what happens? There's a trust thing. Well, it's the same way with God. He gives us, and there's a trust relationship that's happening, and we have to know what that is and what he's saying to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this last uh, passage I want to read out of, verse 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, this is full. This whole passage is like full of so much truth here. But I want to focus on two things. Number one, if you sow little, you reap a little. If you sow a lot, you reap a lot. And I do, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. This is the same thing where the Bible says, uh, to have friends, you have to be friendly. It, these are the same principles. So if you're going to sow sparingly to friendships, then you're going to have probably some fairly shallow, non-existent friends. 
But if you sow a lot into friendships and you're the one initiating, you're the one calling, you're the one gathering people together, you're probably going to have some really solid, deep uh, friendships and maybe a large quantity of friends. Why? Because it's the same thing. We know this in other areas, but in, 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 in our generosity, we have to be convinced of it. So he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. This is where it brings it right down to just the reality check of our heart. Give out of what your heart, where your heart is. And if your heart is grudging, work on your heart before you give a dime. Get your heart to the right place. Get your heart to the right place. If you're like, ugh, I hate giving. Well, don't give, okay? Because <laughs> it's not going to help you whatsoever. What you need to do is work the heart and ask the Lord, Lord, help my heart to be generous. And then as he increases your generosity of your heart, give from that place. So that you're, you're a chill, cheerful giver. It should make you happy. You should love giving. You should love it in every area, whether you're giving to a friend, whether you're, giving, uh, you're buying somebody lunch, or whether you're giving your tithes and offerings at church. It should be blessed. You should be, feel blessed to be able to do it. When I tithe now, I'm so thankful that I get to tithe the amount that I do. Because everything I made back in the day was about as much as we tithe now. So it's like, thank you, Lord, that I didn't stay in that place. But you have increased, and so I'm thankful that I even get to do this today. It's a blessing. And then he, he quotes, um, Paul quotes out of Psalm 112 where he says, he has a, a dispersed abroad, and he's talking about the blessed man, that Baraka, generous man, has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Every time I think of he has dispersed abroad, I think of missions. I think of giving outside of my own sphere of blessing other people, he has dispersed abroad, and he has given to the poor. So he's saying this, this person, these people who sow bountifully, this is what it looks like. They give above and extra. That's why I'm like, you know what, 10% is like the basement level of this conversation. There's so much more potential. So much more potential. Um, the tithe is important, and we'll get into that in a couple weeks here. But anyways, I believe that God's calling us to be this generous spirit where we disperse abroad, we give to the poor, we have a generous heart that's not judging people. These are true principles. These are proven principles of generosity. You can, you can try them. And when I talk about tithing, we'll go into Malachi where it says, try me now in this. Why? Because God is confident in what he said. The question is, are we confident in what he said? Are we willing to put them to the test to say, Lord, you said... That give and it will be given, pressed down, shaken together. So here we go. Let's put this thing to the test. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that um, even mixed in with your word would just be gentle, loving correction for any one of us that just needed to uh, reset our mind and our hearts about what it means to live a generous life. I pray that you would bring us to the place where we understand that everything we have is yours, that we're stewards on the earth, and we have nothing to be afraid of. We don't have to be afraid of giving because you said that you would give it back to us. You said that if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. So I pray over this church a generous spirit, a generous spirit. 
a generous spirit. Lord, I pray that it would be awkward to be stingy here. <laughs> I pray that it would be so outside the norm to have selfishness here. I pray that we'd just be so generous with one another, generous in our time, generous in our giving, generous in our talents and our gifts. Lord, use us to be a blessing to people. Help us to bless the poor. Help us to bless those who are even outside of our sphere. Use us for what you want us to do in this earth. And Lord, I pray for anybody that might feel like they're lacking right now. Maybe they, they, they have some real financial worries or concerns that are in their mind and heart. And so even talking about generosity brings fear or brings maybe even a feeling of guilt because they can't give what they want. Lord, I pray that you'd meet every single need right where we're at. You're our good father. You said that if we asked for bread, you wouldn't give us a stone. So, Lord, whatever needs are represented here, I pray that you'd meet them. Meet them, meet them. Meet them, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, bless our picnic today. Keep us safe. I pray that the storms go around us. We beat the rain. And uh, just help us have a beautiful time of fellowship and community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Bible study at our house this Wednesday. Father's Day is next Sunday. Otherwise, make sure you grab a map and meet us at the park. Bless you.